Celtics were a way of life to me. A group of people so diverse you cannot imagine, working together day in and day out for a common goal. I thoroughly enjoyed my teammates. And I always said that when I left the Celtics, I could not go to heaven because they'd be a step down. I am pure, 100% Celtic. I think if you slashed my wrist, the blood would have been green. And welcome, everybody, to this special edition here of Show Blitz with yours truly, Charles Prodigy uh, Richie. As uh, right now, we're going to do a special edition uh, podcast right now. As uh, I'm going to pay salute to the late Bill Russell, who passed away last Sunday uh, at the age of 88. As uh, he uh, died at his home in Mercer Island, Washington, the metropolitan area of Seattle at the age of 88. Uh, as everyone remembers, uh, Bill Russell, he is uh, famously remembered for playing 13 years with the Boston Celtics, uh, winning 11 NBA uh, championships right there. He was also a five-time MVP and, uh, of course, everything uh, speaks for itself right there when you uh, look at everything what he is. But today on this uh, special edition uh, podcast, I'm also going to choose to look at more than Bill Russell, the Boston Celtic, and also his entire basketball career, which also included playing at uh, USF and, of course, playing in the Summer Olympic. I mean, in the men's basketball team. Uh, which was played in Melbourne in 1956. Aside from all that, I mean, you, you look at the guy right here who has been a true stand-up guy, uh, what he's had to endure as far as, like, what many African-Americans and others who felt any type of similar racial treatment, just racism growing up, especially in the times that he grew up. I mean, you had to go through the Great Depression, of course, into the 60s, uh, which was a mess right there, a nightmare for a lot of uh, black folks right there. And, of course, when you go into the hip area, too, uh, right around the end of the 60s, into the 70s, just everything that he's had to endure right there. But through it all, he always handled himself with grace. And we're going to go ahead and uh, pay tribute to this man right here, like I said, uh, we're, we're uh, take a look back what he really meant. Like I said, to me, the way I could best talk about Bill Russell is in these three words or these five words, I should say, bigger than sports and basketball, basically. And uh, that's truly who he was at, at the end of the day. Uh, before we go any further, if you guys want to follow me on social media, once again, you guys could do so. You can follow me on Twitter. Uh, at Man of Steel CGR, which is Man of Steel podcast Twitter account, and also my Twitter uh, uh, handle right there. You also check me out on Instagram at Man of Steel Nation at Prodigy Richie. Let me get ready to take a look. But Bill Russell, like I said, uh, he's gone from us at the age of 88. Uh, he was uh, born in uh, Monroe, Louisiana on February 12th, 1934. And just everything that he, he went through. I, I feel like 
the last few months too. I mean, very. I was like watching the whole NBA, uh, uh, films. I mean, basically, and plus a real fabulous documentary uh, that's on uh, YouTube uh, called uh, Russell's House. On uh, that one, and uh, that was uh, done by an interview with uh, him and uh, Ben Simmons right there, uh, who did a remarkable. Uh, job uh, covering this uh, doing the interview in that game. Excuse me, not uh, Ben Simmons. I meant Bill Simmons, excuse me. Bill Simmons, who did a wonderful job uh, capturing uh, Bill Russell's pretty much his basketball career and in between like his life. I mean, pretty much uh, folks a good uh, chunk of it too on uh, him and Wilt Chamberlain's uh, on off the court relationship right there, which Bill Russell would always claim in his mind, it was not a rivalry. As the basketball lore and the all-time greats, when you look back at those two playing head-to-head, at the end of the day, people are still choose to view that as a rivalry, despite the fact that when it came to championship rounds, I mean, Bill Russell got the best, I mean, out ahead of uh, Wilt Chamberlain, in those uh, contests in the playoffs, seven out of eight times. The only time that he was beaten by Wilt Chamberlain was in 1967 when Wilt was a member of the 76ers right there. And they had an awesome uh, year that year, too, uh, in that uh, season. Uh, Philadelphia 76ers, who in that year, I mean, if I was able to break through, stop a Celtics a uh, consecutive uh, win streak of eight straight NBA uh, titles. But like I said, in that year in 1967, they won 68 games in that in that season. Thus finally, Will Chamberlain having his win over Bill Russell uh, in the Eastern Division Finals uh, before it was ever called the Eastern Conference because of how small the league was and how lesser teams there were. And that's a lot of people – that's one thing people were kind of remind and point out why Bill Russell, even though he has most rings by an NBA player, the fact of the matter is that people are going to still look at the fact that well, you didn't have enough teams in the league. And I and I call uh, hogwash on that. I can understand where people are saying on that. I mean, the level of parity. But at the end of the day, you have to beat your competition. So it, it, it does not matter. I, I think, if anything, you, you have to be – I mean, truly – Take on all comers, no matter what it is. And look at, I mean, just the teams, I mean, in the league right there. But anyway, let's go ahead and uh, get into it right now as well. we uh, look at it. Uh, Bill Russell, uh, like I said, uh, he, let, let's start off with his earlier uh, basketball career before we get into what he was off the court. I mean, his uh, NCAA uh, basketball career, uh, he was featured as a becoming a two-time NCAA uh, champion from 1955 through 1956. 
went undefeated in the 1956 uh, season uh, and where he was his college career uh, highlights uh, featured him as a consensus All-American. Uh, he was also the NCAA uh, MVP in 1955 uh, for, for his uh, college right there, University of uh, San Francisco. And well, he really uh, did at that point in time. I mean, it was just truly amazing. I mean, still, I mean, and there was other few other undefeated teams too. They did have Hoosiers uh, later on. I believe that was in the seventies under uh, Bobby Knight. But I mean, think about this too. Uh, he would then go on to play for the men's bas- U.S. men's basketball team in Melbourne, Australia where the tournament was not held in the summer. This one, however, was held in November for December, and he was drafted in 1956, uh, keep in mind. Now, there was a concern raised by the International Olympic Committee, Avery Bundage at the time, about him, about Russell being no longer an amateur since he signed a contract with the Boston Celtics. Now, remember, he did get uh, selected uh, by the St. Louis Hawks at that point in time before they long became the Atlanta Hawks later on. And uh, he was uh, traded over there uh, by Red Auerbach, who made a deal with the Hawks to acquire Bill Russell. Had to come a few players, but anyway, uh, I mean, the, the, the deal was this. He was drafted second overall by the Hawks, traded to the Celtics. The Hawks received a return, uh, Small forward Cliff Hagen and Senator Ed McCauley right there. Hagen was serving in the military for three years and had played for the Celtics yet. So, I mean, that turned out to be a, a huge uh, game changer, obviously, right there. Uh, they, those two would go on to win titles, uh, would go on to win an NBA title for the St. Louis Hawks, who actually lost the Celtics. That was one of their opponents right there. And which they beat in, I mean, three, uh, four times right there. So there were three and one against them in that time. But uh, anyway, in his rookie year in 1956, uh, with that concern about him already signing a contract with Boston Celtics and sort of no longer being an amateur athlete. Because remember, back in those times, it's not what the – USA uh, men's basketball team is what it is right now, where you see some pro professional athletes. Remember, a lot of that changed with the Dream Team in 1992, 30 years ago, as a matter of fact, and where you would see players, I mean, coming out there to, like, uh, play for the gold medal only because they wanted to level the playing ground. But anyway, he... The tournament was held in November for December. Uh, he was determined to play. He had the option to skip the tournament and play a season with the Celtics, but he instead participated with Team USA and led them to an undefeated 8-0 run, capturing the gold medals. They defeated the Soviet Union 89-55 on December 1st, 1956. The U.S. Uh, team won by an average of 53.5 points per game, and Bill Russell averaged 14.1 points per game in the tournament while averaging 99.1 points per game. On that team, he would soon play with his future teammate two years later, 
uh, point guard Casey Jones, who was an eight-time NBA champion and won two as a coach. He would join him in the 1958 uh, season right there. So that was a pretty remarkable uh, run right there. So then you go look at his uh, Boston Celtic career, like I said. And this is where it gets a little bit dicey. I mean, like I said, where people, like like I said, they choose to, like, be a little bit dismissive when it comes to, like, you know, like the, the level of parity that they had in there. But, I mean, if you look at, like I said, I mean, his run as the Boston Celtics, I mean, think about this. Look at the, the teams, I mean, at that point in time. I mean, think about this. You're undefeated against the, uh, against both the Minneapolis and Los Angeles Lakers. Yes, they did beat the Minneapolis Lakers in the 1959 NBA Finals when they swept them. And this is about a few years after uh, George Mikan, who was the original star centers of the league, of the NBA, who was a five-time NBA uh, champion. So this is a few years after he retired. Uh, Bill Russell and his Celtics uh, would beat them in the fouls. Uh, they swept them and then went 6-0 against the Lakers. So for a combined uh, 7-0 run against the uh, Los Angeles uh, Lakers in that tournament, I mean, in that point in time, and were included, they went 3-0 against them in Game 7s. 1962 was the one NBA Finals right there where you saw it go into overtime in the Game 7. And, of course, uh, 1966, they done it to him again. And then in 1969 were one of the first times that Bill Russell's team ever experienced where they had to go on the road to dig out a Game 7 win. Ended up stopping a pretty much star-studded team at that point in time with the Los Angeles Lakers, who had guys already established on their I mean, when you think of the original cornerstone pieces, beginning with Elgin Baylor, who came in there before Jerry West did. I mean, Elgin Baylor was still part of the Minneapolis Lakers for about a season or two before they made the move to Los Angeles in 1960. Uh, then he also had uh, Jerry West, of course. I mean, at that point in time, I mean, who actually lost his first uh, seven NBA championships uh, before he ever won his first one, he finished his career one and eight in the NBA Finals. His only one, and uh, which was fifty years ago in nineteen seventy-two. But and then, yeah, you know, one of the things too. I mean, they're always saying was like they're missing that one piece uh, that was like uh, holding him, holding him back to really truly compete. What's a guy like Paul Russell? Because Paul Russell was one of the guys, was one of the centers right there. I mean, who's famously known for the way he would block shots right there. If you look at film on him, the way he would race up and down the court, I mean, it's almost like he was sprinting at times, the way he would catch someone. I mean, he was a master of block shots at his time. Unfortunately, uh, block shots was not a statistic at that time. It would take uh, years uh, later for the NBA to start recognizing uh, block shots uh, basically, for that. 
so Blocked uh, really actually started uh, since the 1973-1974 season when it started becoming incorporated. But anyway, you have Will Chamberlain right there. Uh, keep in mind, he was one of the opponents who Bill Russell beat along the way. Remember, he beat him seven out of eight times. He was undefeated against Wilt Chamberlain in the NBA uh, Finals, where he went 2-0 against him, uh, both in 1964, where they beat him in five games. And then, of course, in 1969, the Lakers, who they thought they had, very much even admit many times, that they had the better talented team the all-around team put together that show won that NBA Finals. Instead, uh, they were up three games or two on them, lost the final two games in Boston, and of course, Los Angeles. And that game seven was very had a controversial finish right there, too. Don't forget, Will Chamberlain had to uh, leave uh, the game uh, really on his own uh, because of a twisted knee he, he experienced uh, during the game. And Butch Von Bredikoff, who was the head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers, I mean, their relationship was pretty much uh, t- tumultuous at that point in time. When he left the game left the game, and Will Chamberlain felt like he was ready to go back in, he uh, told one of the s- trainers or assistants to let uh, Butch know that he was ready to go back in. Well, Van Bredikoff decided – he did not want to put him back in the game. He, he said, he pretty, pretty much told him to screw off. And you know, you know what? Uh, we could win without you. Because there was times where I feel like Chamberlain was possibly showing him up, and uh, they were butting heads, especially uh, during that season. The Boston Celtics in that uh, year, nineteen sixty-nine, which proved to be Bill Russell's uh, foul season. Uh, which they won that one, the NBA Finals, in 1969. They won that game by two points. Now, keep in mind, too, remember, this was also, too, Bill Russell made history at the same time as well. Because remember, at the end of the 1966 uh, season, when the Boston Celtics won eight in a row, which was nine titles on the excuse me, collectively for both Bill Russell and the head coach at the time, Red Auerbach. Uh, Red Auerbach decided to step down, and he was thinking about naming a replacement uh, for his head coach. And what one of the guys that he had in uh, mind, uh, he was actually the fourth choice on his uh, list. There was other guys uh, that were – they looked at too. I believe it was like Bob Cousy was another one, uh, and then of course uh, Tommy Heinsohn, uh, who both uh, t- turned out. Uh, yeah, so here it is. So Russell was uh, Brett Auerbach's uh, fourth choice because he he wanted to go with uh, Frank Ramsey, Bob Cousy, and Tommy Heinsohn, who all three of them declined the opportunity to become you know, the head coach of the Boston Celtics. Uh, two out of those three, three were RA players. So Russell was like his last choice, basically. So uh, he would go on to uh, coach them, become the first uh, black head coach in the NBA history 
to not only coach a team, but also to lead them to an NBA championship. So, I mean, which is pretty amazing right there. Listen, I don't care how many teams were in that time, in the league at that time. I get it. I mean, uh, basically. But, I mean, you also got to understand something, too. Like I said, they own their competition along the way. Like I said, won three off four against the St. Louis Hawks right there. You also won basically uh, seven over the Lakers right there, which was uh, 10. Then once over the Warriors, and along the way too, I mean, he beat his guy who was his best uh, friend who they used to hang out together in Wilt Chamberlain right there. So that 1969 one was probably like uh, more questions by people in the media. That Boston Celtics team was not supposed to even be in that position. They were a team that was that snuck into the playoffs, basically uh, finished fourth in the Eastern Division, and was able to gut out. I mean, basically, and uh, and then too, the the only thing that was sickening about that was a few days after they won the championship uh, on that night. Uh, a few days later, one of the media people came up into uh, Red Auerbach, approached him, I believe it was in his office or wherever it was, and said, like, are you satisfied, like, with your head coach? And Red Auerbach said, like, what do you mean? I mean, I already got the best head coach. I mean, we just won an NBA championship. Well, he said, we didn't want that guy coaching our Celtics and pretty much making a racial remark. Because remember, Boston, too, arguably – I mean, for a long time, it's had a lot of racial moments. I mean, with fan base and just their sports history, unfortunately. I mean, Boston, I mean, right there, the Celtics were like the only successful thing they had going for them. When you think about it too, I mean, they were more of a hockey town at that point in time. There were Boston, there were first Boston Bruins, then it was the Red Sox practically, then the Celtics. I mean, the Patriots, of course, I mean, in fairness, not until maybe like around like mid-90s, early 2000s when Tom Brady uh, came on board with Bill Belichick. But Buff Celtics, too, also had uh, an original, I think, all-black uh, starting lineup, too, by the way. I mean, they did a lot of things historically as a diverse uh, franchise right there. And, I mean, for Bill Russell to endure what he had to do as far as, like, having stuff done in his home, in his bedroom, uh, with, I mean, being defecated. I mean, it's just a lot of stuff he had to endure. Uh, at the end of the day, when you look at a guy like Bill Russell, he handled himself gracefully. And you can make the argument, too, I mean, I mean, with him, because, listen... I mean, championships, were no doubt about, will always be Bill Russell's pride and joy when we look at this game. But to me, I'm almost kind of getting the feeling, too, like the championships were like icing on the cake in his mind. He wanted to fight for equality just as anyone else had, like any other uh, black person uh, in this world or in this country, yellow. 
because you think about like what he had to do right there too. I mean, after Bill Russell, I mean, he stuck away from basketball for a few years. We went on the coach gun. He coached two more teams. Nine, uh, he coached the Seattle Super Sox from 1973 through 1977 and the Kings in 1988. We only had two more winning seasons. That was only with the Supersonics. I mean, it, check this out, too. Even as a kid growing up, uh, experienced a lot of racism as a child where his parents moved into housing projects to escape the bigotry. And then his teammates were jeered at USF uh, by white students in college. And during a Celtics career, him and his black teammates were denied rooms in North Carolina where NBA stars toured the U.S. I mean, another example, prior to the 1961-1962 season, a very famous story that a lot of us uh, caught wind of to the last couple of years or even growing up, whatever it was, uh, team was scheduled to play an exhibition, exhibition in Lexington, Kentucky, and restaurant orders refused to serve them. Uh, as a result, him and his other black teammates like uh, Casey and Sam Jones and others chose to float, fly home while during a great deal of controversy and publicity. I mean, he was very active in the black power movement as he was seen with other famous athletes and the Muhammad Ali Summit. Now, remember, the Muhammad Ali Summit, uh, it was it – was Muhammad Ali, I believe, uh, was eligible to be uh, drafted – uh, was chosen to serve in Vietnam. He refused. And don't forget, too, like about like not too long before this time, too, uh, Muhammad Ali, who's uh, before known as Cassius Clay, he converted um, basically his uh, he, he converted his religion, basically. I mean, for I mean, uh, is to Islam right there. Uh, who be uh, so basically? I mean, remember he he eventually changed his name, and one of the controversies too with Muhammad Ali, the thing that kind of like uh, got him. I mean, he said that you know he would only go to war unless asked by their leader of Islam, and then not that too. I mean, for being a black man, it's like why would he? be forced to go to war and kill fellow uh, black African-Americans along the way, too, which is pretty controversial right there. I mean, guys like in the Muhammad Ali Summit back on June 4th, 1967, I mean, which was led by uh, Jim Brown and, of course, with Bill Russell. You also had Luol Cinder before he became Kareem Abdul-Jabbar uh, four years later, after winning his first NBA championship with the Milwaukee Bucks, Willie Davis, who was a Green Bay Packer, uh, they wanted to try and reason with him, find out what was going on, why he was refusing to serve in Vietnam. But at the end of the day, they all stood in unionship uh, for Muhammad Ali right there. And just, you know what, they gave him their uh, blessing of support at the end of the day. That's the type of guy that Bill Russell was. He always kept striving. He always stayed classy. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you look at everything that he's had to endure. I mean, even when like his career was over, he went over 
as into a broadcaster role. I mean, that was kind of like here miss. I mean, truthfully, but I mean, still, I mean, he separated himself from Boston, lived in Seattle since uh, 1973, basically for the remainder of his time. And he was not a guy that would be pushed around. I mean, he even said too, I think like when he was born, it's like, why should I have to earn my U.S. rights? I mean, that should already be given when I was born. I think Bob Plasky, not Bob Plasky, I think it was Bob Ryan, I think it was, who was saying that, of the uh, Boston uh, Times, uh, who actually just did like a podcast on uh, YouTube uh, this past week when Bill Russell passed away. But anyway, this is how I choose to remember Bill Russell. Bill Russell, in my opinion, he was a guy who was a stand-up guy. And I'll say it again, bigger in sports and basketball. Bigger than sports and basketball, excuse me. I mean, the guy who was trying to push the envelope, who tried following the footsteps of Jack Robson, because he, he even noted, too, in Russell's house that Jack Robson was a significant uh guy who broke the color barrier in baseball. I mean, becoming the first uh, black player to play in the major leagues with white players. So, you look at that right there. I mean, he said that yeah, he got them from point A to point B. And he always uh, kept that in mind. And so, even all the time, too. I mean, all that stuff right there. I mean, just the way he stood up. I mean, he was support. I mean, look at like five years ago too, on September twenty sixth, uh, he uh, two thousand seventeen. He Russell posted a photograph of himself to a previously unused Twitter account in which he was taking the knee in solidarity with the U.S. national anthem kneeling protests. Uh, and basically, he wore his presidential medal of freedom, and the image was captioned. Proud to take a knee and to stand tall against social injustice. An interview with ESPN. Russell said he wanted the NFL players to know they were not alone. That's what you need to know. As far as like on the basketball side, if you're asking me to put him on a Mount Rushmore, you know what? He's got to be included, I think, definitely in that top four. Because here's the thing. Michael Jordan, no doubt, I mean, is the all-time GOAT because the way he dominated both statistically and winning wise, but but then the thing is too, people would also argue if it's truly about winning. Remember, Russell did have only one loss, eleven NBA titles. Okay, I mean he did that in thirteen years. You had Michael Jordan. I mean, basically, I mean his NBA uh, career. I mean, who did that in fifteen seasons? He remember he retired twice in his career in between. But he still had, I mean, much more teams, never lost in the NBA Finals. But I think Bill Russell has to be considered. It's, it's no one to push over. So, I mean, Bill Russell, you probably, I mean, right now, I'm not sure exactly I mean, uh, on Mount Rushmore, but if he had a fifth person, I think I'd put him on there in the top five at least. I would probably go with uh, Michael Jordan, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, 
No, I mean, let me say that again. Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And Bill Russell. And then the fifth prize, I mean, I mean, well, Larry, Larry Bird and Bill Russell, excuse me. So that if you had to do five as opposed to four, that's how I would do it. I would do Jordan, James, Kareem, Bird, and Russell. And, and the only reason why I probably put Bill Russell, I mean, Bill Russell behind Larry Bird is because Larry Bird was a, a lights out uh, shooter, just like Michael Jordan was when it came to game winning shots. But like I said, that's going to do it uh, for this right here. I uh, just want to pay tribute once again to the man, the myth, the legend, Bill Russell, too. And also, too, I just wanted to say this in closing. I mean, you talk about one of the greatest uh, comp com competition between Russell or Chamberlain. If you're going to ask who's better between Russell or Chamberlain, I'm going to go with Bill Russell. I mean, yeah, Wilt Chamberlain – did stuff with the basketball that no doubt he could boggle your mind the way he would score, rebound, and, and command, I mean, dominance. But at the end of the day, too, like I said, Bill Russell knew how to get his team involved, sacrifice more. I mean, look at the numbers right there. I mean, career-wise uh, versus Wilt Chamberlain, Bill Russell averaged 14.5 points, five rebounds and about 23 assists versus Wilt Chamberlain's 28 and a half points, uh, five rebounds and 27 assists. At the end of the day, listen, I get the numbers, but at the same time too, when it came to money games, what Bill Russell found a way to get the last uh, laugh or last cackle, I guess you could say. So I I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, Definitely heartbroken to say the least, uh, losing him a week ago. And Godspeed, my friend. Uh, he'll never be another one like you in a long time. Maybe you could argue LeBron James. I don't think so. I mean, maybe not in that level, but I mean, LeBron James is definitely trying to his credit, tries to build up an image um, so bad that he wants to make change in the world, not just for the game of basketball. So that's how I'm going to remember Bill Russell. I would remember him more as the all-around stand-up guy than anything. And to be honest you too, I mean, you can make him probably co-goat with Michael Jordan as far as like the all-time goat. I'm still going to probably give Michael Jordan the edge, but it never hurts if you had to pick like someone to go side with him. Probably Russell would not be a bad choice. But anyway, once again, you guys can follow me on Twitter at MetalSteelCGR and on Instagram at MetalSteelNation. And like I said, uh, I'm be doing a schedule change on the Metal Steel podcast. I announced it last uh, week uh, covering the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm going to do it on Sundays and Tuesdays. That will begin next Sunday, as a matter of fact. When the Pittsburgh Steelers play their first exhibition game of the season this Saturday. As always, leave you. Don't be trolling. Be rolling. And uh, Bill Russell, Godspeed once again. Thanks for everything, sir. We loved everything that you were about. And thank you for gracing us with your presence for so many years. And just for being so authentic 
genuine and understanding and more importantly too just teaching us just like a lot of people who i knew in my life how just learn to laugh at situations sometimes not to take things too seriously take them serious but don't take them too serious you gotta learn to loosen up and he's always done that we love you we miss you and uh here here <laughs>